Auzu billahi minash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma 'allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'ana bima 'allamtana wa zidna 'ilman nafi'a. Allahumma arinal haqqa haqqan warzuqna ittiba'ah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bed-Uz-Zaman Sa'id Nursi podcast series. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the ninth word. The ninth word is about the allocation of the times of the daily prayers. And this would be the morning prayer, noon prayer, afternoon prayer, evening prayer, and then the night night uh, prayer. But also, tahajjud, the, the prayer that the Prophet ﷺ was ordered to pray in the middle of the night, and which is a very important sunnah for uh, all of us, all the rest of us. And then, of course, there are other sunnah prayers that are spread around the uh, day, and these are also included in this. One of the important ideas, concepts that we uh, looked at when we started reading the ninth word in the previous episode is that worship and then in worship prayer revolves around three very important concepts. And these are summarized in the words, in the phrases that we learned from the Prophet wasallam as Subhanallah, glory be to God, Alhamdulillah, praise, gratitude, thanks be to God, and Allahu Akbar, God is the greatest. And in the tradition, Islamic tradition, Islamic scholarly tradition, the words that have been used in order to describe these three phrases and the meanings that are expressed in these uh, three phrases are Tasbih for Subhanallah, Tahmid for Alhamdulillah, and Takbir or Ta'zim for Allahu Akbar. And then Ustad Nursi also told us that the specific times that each prayer is obligated point to great, tremendous events and transformations in a day and then in the life of a, in, in a year, in the life of a person, in the life of humanity and in the lifespan of the entire creation and because they point to each of these events and transformations that are happening in larger scales when we pray it helps to keep this in mind to bring this to mind and try to feel how immense an affair the prayer is the ninth word comprises five subtle points. Nukta is the word that is used, that Ustad Nursi has used in order to uh, express this idea of subtle point. We read the first two subtle points and inshallah today we will continue reading from the third subtle point. Bismillah. Üçüncü nükte. The third subtle point. Nasıl ki insan şu alemi kebirin bir misali musagharıdır ve Fatiha-i Şerife şu Kur'an-ı Azimüşşan'ın bir timsali münevveridir, 
namaz dahi bütün ibadatın envaını şamil bir fihriste-i nuraniyedir ve bütün esnaf-ı mahlukatın elvan ibadetlerine işaret eden bir haritayı kutsiyedir. It is a small subtle point compared to the other ones that we saw. It is two sentences, but there is a lot of information, a lot of insight packed in these two sentences. So we will try to expand it a little bit as we translate and try to understand it, inshallah. In the way that men or humans are a small similitude of this great cosmos or great universe, a small model of this great cosmos, or in the way that the the Honorable Fatiha, the first chapter of the Quran, is an illuminated reflection of the Quran of tremendous glory. So in this way, the prayer is also a luminous index that contains all the different forms of worship and it is a sacred map that points to, that indicates the colors of the worships of all types of creatures. Let's begin from the definitions in these two sentences. In the way that humans are a small similitude of the great cosmos, the great universe, what does this mean? Humans are a small model, i.e. Whatever you have in the great cosmos, you can find it in a human being or in humans in general together in a smaller form. The entire creation, the cosmos, is a manifestation of or the entire creation, the cosmos, manifests the attributes and names of God. There is nothing out there in the creation in existence other than God that is not created by God and that therefore does not reflect manifest some of the attributes and names of God and we talked about this before uh, to refresh our memories if you think of a let's say nesting table we look at it we see that it is nicely uh, structured, it is stable, it serves a function, you can put things on it and put your you know, cup of coffee and drink it and it's going to hold the cup of coffee, it's not going to wobble and, and cause you to, to spill it. And it is smooth on top and then let's imagine that the legs are all ornamented, carved wood and it is painted in a certain way or polished in a certain way and we observe it and we notice all these things and then we think so how did this come into existence our experience and intellect tell us that it cannot have happened by itself and our experience and intellect also tell us that let's say uh, the, the tree that the wood was taken from cannot have made it the rocks around the tree cannot have made it the animals that we see cannot have made it. So it must have been made by a person who has the intellect and imagination to imagine this thing first. 
who has the ability to put things together, ability and power to, to shape the wood, and then also has the ability to, let's say, make it sturdy and make it beautiful and has to ha understand uh, what beauty is, has to have something of beauty, has to have something of stability, has to have something of measure, has to have something of order and proportion so that this person can have made this table. In that case, the way that this table is made, the way that we observe it indicates that the maker of there first there is a maker of the table, second that the, the maker is has intellect, third that let's say that the maker has to see because if the maker did not see it could not have measured these things and put them together the maker has to have power and ability and capacity the maker has to have beauty and measure and so on and so forth in that case we say the table the nesting table manifests the attributes of the let's call it the carpenter in the same way everything in the creation Everything in the cosmos, this orderly creation, manifests attributes and names of God. And each and everything manifests some attributes more than other attributes. For instance, when I look at a beautiful flower that is blooming in the spring, the you know, first thing that comes to my mind is beauty. So it manifests beauty. It manifests mercy. It manifests measure because the, the, the petals of the flower are ordered in such a beautiful way that you see there is some order and harmony. And then the stars, if you think of the explosions on the stars, stars that manifests the tremendousness of God and that manifests overpowering capacity of God and so on and so forth. Humans manifest all of the names of God. They are Jami. They, they manifest the name Al-Jami, the, the, the name uh, that combines things, that puts things together, the, the gatherer. That's the name that's most dominant on humans. So humans manifest all of these names together and therefore each human is a small model of the entire creation. If you take a mirror and hold it to the uh, horizon, you can see the entire scene. Let's say this is a uh, the ocean, right? You can see the entire ocean in the mirror. Or let's say that we are holding the mirror from a helicopter. We went you know, far up and we are holding the mirror from a helicopter. Or let's think of a satellite image. We are in the 21st century. We can't make use of technology. Let's think of a satellite image uh, taken, by a, taken with a camera that's very powerful, that's, that has very high resolution. In that satellite image, we can see a very large area. Let's think of a city, the New York City, the satellite image of the New York City. We can see a very, very large area squeezed into a small uh, square or rectangle, whatever. And then if we zoom in, 
if we have the ability to zoom in, if we zoom in, then we can see details too. So everything that is in New York City, that, that can be seen from that angle in New York City, is in that image. In that way, humans are a small model of the entire creation. And the easier way to understand this is uh, to think of the entire creation as manifesting all of the attributes and names of God that he has willed to manifest in the creation. Humans, each human, is given the ability to manifest them. Some names more, some names less, but each human has this ability, partly because each human is uh, linked with, related to the entire creation through his intellect, through his imagination, through his emotions, and so on and so forth, through the life that God has given to him. So these are notions that will, inshallah, open up more and more as we, as we read more of the Risale in Nur. And that will become really clear, inshallah, really clear for us use in understanding our Lord. Because what, what is the way for us to understand our Lord? We know about our Lord from his creation. So if we understand the way his creation manifests our Lord, then we this is a big step in understanding our Lord, inshallah. So inshallah, all of these are going to open up more and more as we read the Risale Inur, as we try to understand it as a guidebook to the Quran, inshallah. So humans are a small similitude of the great cosmos. And then Fatiha Sharifa, the, the honorable Fatiha, the first chapter of the Quran, is an illuminated reflection of the Quran of tremendous glory. What does that mean? Uh, everything in the Quran is concisely preserved, put in, packaged in the Fatiha. The seven verses of the first chapter of the Quran. How? Well, for that, we need to read the exegesis of Fatiha. And when scholars start interpreting, doing an exegesis of the Fatiha, they keep going on and on and on and on. It's, it's usually many pages. And they, can, they cannot exhaust it. They cannot exhaust it. It's inexhaustible because everything in the creation is mentioned. There is insight about everything in the creation in the Quran. And there is insight about everything in the Quran in the Fatiha. So, what's important from the point of view of the ninth word here is that there are these relationships between big things and small things. The entire creation, the cosmos, is the big thing. Each human is the small thing and each human manifests the qualities of the entire creation in himself in some way in the way that a mirror shows a mirror shows or a satellite image shows the image of let's say new york city in it in a smaller proportion in smaller dimensions but it is there and if you zoomed in you would see more of it you can also think of this as in, in, on a clear night go by a lake there's no motion on the lake it is so calm and the, the sky is clear, you are going to see the entire entire sky reflecting on the face of the, the lake. So, another example. 
And then the big thing is the Quran. The small thing is Fatiha. In the same way, think of this as the parable, as the representation. It is not a representation. It is the reality. But think of this as the cognitive process that we need to use in order to understand what prayer, salah, or namaz is. In that way, prayer is a luminous index that contains the types, uh, that contains all of the uh, types of worship. In that way, prayer is a luminous index that contains all types of worship. So an index, again, small thing, big thing. A book is the big thing. An index is, or the, the contents of the book is what contains, what points to all those that are in the book in, a, in smaller proportion, in smaller dimensions. That's what prayer is. It is an index of all the worships. What do we mean by all the worships? Everything worships God. Everything glorifies God. That the earth is circumambulating the sun. That the earth is revolving around itself. That there is gravity. But that when you, you know, let something go from a uh, height, it falls. That water flows that the sun shines, that the waves move on the ocean. Everything, everything that's happening in the creation is because everything is in obedience of God. Everything is worshiping God by obeying Him. And then they're also glorifying Him. And there are other ways too. All of this obedience, all of this subjection then is presented to God by a and angels that angel that is appointed to each and everything in order to represent it in the divine court. It's mind-boggling. Everything in is in a state of subjugation and glorification and worship. Think of that. And then the prayer, Ustad Norsi says, is an index that contains all of those different types of worship that are performed by everything in the creation. And then it is a sacred, why sacred? It's ordained by God. It's coming from God. It is a sacred map that indicates, that points to the colors of the worships of all the types of creation colors of the worships of all types of creation here the word you know color we can think of it as types but also it is a reference to the metaphors that we are using here the light metaphor that we are using here when we think of the satellite image so what what enables the satellite image light the refraction of light into different color spectrums this refraction then makes a satellite image possible because when we look at the image, we see different colors, different shades of different colors, and then they come together and they become some, something meaningful. The colors of all of the creation, the, the colors of the worship of all of the uh, different types of creation come together and all together they make a, a harmonious whole. So each 
type of creation and each individual in each type of creation has a color this is of course a metaphor we are thinking in metaphorically here think of each of them as a dot on a big picture and each of those dots has a different color different shade different depth and then all of them come together and they make a beautiful beautiful picture so prayer Ustad Nursi says is like a map in the way the satellite image is also a map of New York the prayer is like a map that points to each of those colors and therefore that beautiful great tremendous picture that emerges from the worship of everything in the creation that is in a prayer so if we think of this again it is mind-boggling we wake up in the morning we take wudu between daybreak and sunrise and we are going to pray as of sunnah and then as of part obligatory prayer so turakas maybe you know five minutes five minutes of worship standing before god bending down going to prostration five minutes but what does it entail what does it point to what does it contain it contains the worship of everything in a small form in a concise form in summary form in the index format it contains the worship of everything that's out there. all forms of worship that is out there and it also contains the colors it points to the colors of the worships of all types of creation it is a tremendous event it is a tremendous moment when we stand before God in prayer we are standing there as representing as reflecting the worship of the entire creation we are standing that as representing the relationship between God and his entire creation we need to take a deep breath and try to internalize this it is not something that I can convey only intellectually only by words every everybody out there who is listening to, to this needs to stop maybe stop the recording too and think for a little bit about the tremendousness of this thing that we are calling the prayer salah or namaz and how is that possible how can such a seemingly small act five minute uh, you know motions and utterances in a human being's life becomes so significant well we just said it is a sacred map it is ordained by god and god is the one who knows the entire creation god is the one who knows human beings and he made this possible it is a gift that was given to our beloved the prophet and then he brought the gift to us it is not a burden it is a gift that he brought to us but we need to try to understand this tremendousness that is contained in prayer inshallah now how is this possible again we will start to understand uh, how it is possible more as we read the fourth and the fifth subtle points inshallah this concise but loaded 
subtle point is going to be opened up Ustad Nursi is going to open it up for us to some extent in the fourth and fifth subtle points dördüncü nükte the fourth subtle point nasıl ki haftalık bir saatin saniye ve dakika ve saat ve günlerini sayan milleri birbirine bakarlar birbirinin misalidirler ve birbirinin hükmünü alırlar öyle de Cenab-ı Hakk'ın bir saati kübrası olan şu alemi dünyanın saniyesi hükmünde olan gece ve gündüz deveranı ve dakikaları sayan seneler ve saatleri sayan tabakatı ömre insan ve günleri sayan edvarı ömrü alem birbirine bakarlar. Birbirinin misalidirler ve birbirinin hükmündedirler ve birbirini hatırlatırlar. Now let's think of a clock. But this is a developed advanced clock that that shows the entire week. So that shows the, uh, the the sections of the entire week. It has handles for the days, for the hours in the days, and then for minutes in the uh, hour, and then for seconds in the minute. So it has four handles. All of these handles look at each other are, or are connected with each other. The word Ustad Nursi uses here is bakarlar. They look at each other. We can also think of it as are connected to each other. They do not exceed the bounds of one another. They move in harmony. They move together. They are similitudes of one another. That is the, the um, let's say the handle that shows the minutes moves 60 times and then that amounts to one motion in the hour handle and the hour handle in this in in that case is a similitude of the 60 motions of the minute handle they have the judgment ruling of one another here this is a this is a difficult word to translate so when we think of a thing and there is another thing and the other thing has a certain ruling that applies to it. It is understood in a certain way. It is judged in a certain way. It is treated in a certain way. And this thing that we have in our hand is not that, but it is so similar to it that we apply the same judgment to it. We are not talking about comparison here though. We are not talking about the term qiyas in fiqh. We are talking about something more general, something more generally used in language. So th these handles have the same ruling as one another. I'm going to translate this again in a more formal way. In the way that the handles of a weekly clock that show the or that count the days and the hours and the minutes and the seconds point to each other or look at each other are similitudes of one another and have the judgments of one another in the same way so this was the cognitive uh, model that Ustad Nursi put in our mind now right we understand how a clock works a weekly clock handles are connected to one another and they move in harmony and they move with measure that reflects the motions of one another if you saw the uh, second handle move 60 times you can tell that the minute handle is going to move once if you saw the minute, hand, minute handle move 60 times you can know that the R handle is going to move once if you saw the R handle move 
24 times you can know or you will know that the day handle is going to move once if you saw the day handle move seven times you will know that the week handle is going to move once so this is for sure these are connected and you know that they are connected and because of the connection that you have observed between them you know that if one moves the other others move and the others move in certain proportions in the same way Ustad Nursi says this realm of the world the, the, the creation that we are seeing around us is a great clock of Almighty God so of course we are speaking metaphorically here is like a great clock of Almighty God and it has handles that keep moving what are those handles? Those are handles that count the night and the day that are like or that take the judgment of the seconds of this great realm of the, of, of the world. And then there are handles that count the this years that, are, that have the judgment of the minute handles in our clock. So day and night are like the seconds in the life of the creation. And then the years are like its minutes. And then it has handles that count the stages. It counts the stages of human life. Those are like the hours of this great clock. And then it has handles that count the epochs, periods, of the lifespan of the universe, lifespan of the cosmos. And those are like the day handles in our great clock. So the way a weekly clock had handles, the clock of the creation has handles. And these are day and night, like the seconds, the uh, years, like the minutes, the stages of the lifespan of humans, like the hours, and the stages or epochs of the lifespan of the entire creation and those are like the days these handles in the creation also look at each other or indicate each other point to each other are connected to one another they are the similitudes of one another and they take the judgments of one another and they remind one of one another that is in the way that the handles of a in mechanical clock that we imagined are connected and are move in unison in certain proportions the clocks the, the handles in the great clock of the creation are also connected to one another they move in certain proportions and importantly that's why we are talking all about all of these if you see one move you know that the next one will also move and you know that the next one will also move and you know that the next one will also move and you know that there are certain proportions that account for the harmony between the movements of these these handles you know that they are connected you know that they point to one another and therefore they remind you of one another so why are we talking about all of these at the beginning we said that the prayer times or allocations of the five and, and more times for prayer in a day those times each point to great happenings great transformations in the creation so now we will start to understand how that is possible what that means right because they each point to great transformations in the creation now Ustad Nursi is going to talk about what each 
a specific time for each specific prayer reminds us of in the life of a human being in the life of humanity in the life of the creation for example mesela for example fecir zamanı tuluğa kadar evveli bahar zamanına hem insanın rahmı madere düştüğü avanına hem semavat ve arzın altı gün hilkatinden birinci gününe benzer ve hatırlatır ve onlardaki şu onatı ilahiyeyi ihtar eder. The time of fajr, the time of the morning prayer, from dawn, from daybreak until sunrise, resembles and reminds us of the beginning of spring. So we said in the life of the world, the earth, right? The beginning of spring in a year early spring in a year or in the life of a human being to the moments to the times that a human being is put in the womb of his mother or in the time span in the lifespan of the creation it resembles the first day of the six days in which God has created the heavens and the earth and this of course is from the Quran God says that he created you know six days and we don't know the reality of those days we are not talking about 624 hours a day for us is when the earth revolves around itself once but think of the sun it's much longer or a day in the life of a galaxy you know the time span during which a galaxy revolves around itself that's a day for the galaxy so we don't know what six days really means here but we know that there are six stages, six important stages in the creation. Ustad Nursi is saying the time of Fajr, the morning prayer, resembles and reminds us of the first day in the creation of first out of the six days of the creation of the heavens and the earth. And they remind us of the divine acts. And this is important it's not just springtime okay let's think of the springtime the time in the womb okay let's think of it it is the first day of the creation creation maybe big bang maybe something else let's think of it yes these are important we need to bring these to into our imagination and this is something that makes us different from let's say cows and elephants that's why humans are special and important and significant and have a honored place in the creation i, I could not talk about this to an elephant i am human i have intellect and imagination and a heart and all of these combined working together along with my nerves my compulsive soul make me human and something distinct there's a distinction here that we are able to imagine and think of these things is one of the distinctions of our human nature and important the important thing is in these events happenings transformations that appear to be natural just out there that we see the acts of god divine acts they are not just interesting moments and sceneries no they are sceneries that we need to bring into our imagination in order to connect from that to god because they are divine acts think of the carpenter example these are divine acts these are opportunities for us to know our Lord and that is the purpose of our creation. Zuhur zamanı ise 
yaz mevsiminin ortasına hem gençlik kemaline hem ömrü dünyadaki hilkati insan devrine benzer ve işaret eder ve onlardaki tecelliyat-ı rahmeti ve füyuzat-ı nimeti hatırlatır. The time of Zohr, that is when the sun rises to the highest point in the sky and then starts to turn over and descend. That's the Zohr, time of Zohr. What does it resemble? Ustad Nursi is saying that it resembles the middle of summer and the perfection of youth in a person's life. And the time of the or the, the period of the creation of humans in the lifespan of the earth. And then he is saying it's, it resembles them, it points to them, and it reminds us to the increase in the blessings and the manifestations of mercy in each one of them. Increase in blessings and manifestations of mercy in each one of them. Now, in the when he talked about Fajr, he used the phrase divine acts, what the morning prayer is connected to in the clock of the creation, tremendous creation. They remind us of divine acts. These are the moments of origination. There was nothing and then kun fayakun, the, the entire creation came into existence. Kun fayakun, there was nothing and then there is this little creature in the womb of his mother that is its heart is beating and it will grow to become a human being with a body and soul and spirit and thoughts and imaginations and emotions grievances and happinesses in in all these things it's it's again mind-boggling there was nothing out there there was dry earth and dry pieces of wood and then there comes the spring and things start to bloom we cannot attribute to this to anything but the divinity the lord right these are divine acts they are these are reminding us of divine acts when it comes to the time of zuhur the middle of the day ustad nursi is talking about what increase in blessings and manifestations of mercy in what in the middle of summer when they let's say you know think of the point of view of a farmer the grain in the field let's see say wheat starts to become yellow dry and yellow and ripen and the 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 um, grains start to fill right there is an increase in blessings there is a mercy in that because that is the grain that the wheat is going to fulfill the needs of a human being or barley or you know grass starts to become tall and they you let the cows and sheep and horses whatever go out there and they are going to be grazing there's a tremendous increase in blessings right Ustad Nursi is saying the time of Zuhr the middle of the day when our accomplishments in the day start to accumulate and there will be more about this coming in the fifth subtle point inshallah when they all accumulate that's there's a manifestation of mercy in that and there is an increase in blessings asr zamanı ise güz mevsimine hem ihtiyarlık vaktine hem ahir zaman peygamberinin aleyhissalatu vesselam asr saadetine benzer ve onlardaki şuunat ilahiyeyi ve inamat-ı rahmaniyeyi ihtar eder so next comes the afternoon prayer the time of asr and there are some differences as to the proper timing 
of this prayer between uh, madhabs or rather between the Hanafi madhabs and the other three Ahl sunnah madhabs. But the idea is that we take the length of the shadow of an object when the sun is at the highest point. And then to that we add either the length of that object itself or twice the length of that object itself. And when the, the shadow of the object reaches that length, that is when the time of Asr afternoon prayer begins. So that is basically late afternoon. The late afternoon, Ustad Nursi says, resembles the time of fall, autumn, in a year. Then the time of old age in the life of a human being, or that blissful time when the prophet of the end of times والسلام, came honored this earth and lived Asr Sa'ada, the time of bliss or the period of bliss the early period in which the prophet والسلام, and then his four rightly guided uh, caliphs uh, succeeders lived so the time of Asr the afternoon Ustad Nursi, or the time of the afternoon prayer, Ustad Nursi says, resembles that moment or that period in a year of autumn or fall or in human life, in the life of a human being, the old age, or in the life of humanity, the time in which the Prophet وسلم, his companions and his four uh, rightly guided caliphs lived. This, this moment in the day resembles the divine acts and merciful blessings in each of those times in the in our uh, larger clock now the words that he used here are divine acts and merciful blessings or blessings of mercy why again if you think of the same examples this is the time when the fruits of effort fruits of progress are being reaped the fall is the time when the harvest harvest takes place in the summer we witness the grains filling and ripening and becoming yellow and so on and so forth but we are going to reap them we are going to harvest them in the fall and the the old age is the time when a person can sit back and look at the fruits of his life and then the time of the prophet وسلم, is the time when the fruits of humanity had ripened were ready to pick if you think of the life of humanity as a tree the entire time from adam السلام, until the time of the prophet وسلم, this tree was growing slowly and its branches were shooting its flowers were blooming and then there came the moment there came the time in which those flowers turn into fruits and the prophet وسلم, was the best most delicious most precious fruit of that tree and he was surrounded with the other most precious most delicious fruits of the tree of humanity other than the prophets and then what happened the tree continues to bloom the tree continues to give fruits but we, we can never get that same taste the quality of those fruits start to start to degrade from their own that was the time that was the time when the fruits of humanity were at their best and that was the time to pick them up and this therefore is the time of blessing too the divine acts 
this, this again this can be done by no one no one but god almighty and they are blessings of mercy he gives us those grains out of mercy he allows us to look back and look at the fruits of our life out of his mercy we do not accomplish them on if anybody thinks that this is what i did this person needs to think about okay you intended to do it you were the means for that to happen but did you create it your children did you create your children if you let's say wrote a beautiful scholarly book that everybody else is benefiting if you're imam ghazari did you create or Ustad Nursi? Did you create the Rasale Inur? No, these were all inspired from God's mercy into your heart because you felt the most need and the humanity needed it and you were the means for those lights, those insights to be conveyed to humanity through you. And yes, there is a blessing in that. Yes, you should be happy for it. You should be thankful, for, grateful for this. But did you create it? Could you have done any of that without God's inspiration? And of course, giants of scholarship like Imam al-Ghazani or Ustad Nursi were inspired the kinds of works that they gifted to us partly because, among other reasons, because they knew how to receive it. They had modesty before God. They had humility before God. They knew their position before God. Then if you turn to the old people who are now able to sit back and look at the observe and enjoy the fruits of their life, then we can ask, could you have created your children from when they were babies to you know, adulthood? Had it not been for the blessings of God? Had he not willed that to be the case? Had he not used his power to bring that into creation had he not said kun fayakun no we need to understand our shares in these things they are all from god's mercy from god's mercy so as Ustad Nursi is saying is a time when we are reminded of divine acts and the blessings coming from god's mercy maghrib zamanı ise Güz mevsiminin ahirinde pek çok mahlukatın grubunu hem insanın vefatını hem dünyanın kıyamet iptidasındaki harabiyetin ihtar ile tecelliyat-ı celaliyeyi ifham ve beşeri gaflet uykusundan uyandırır, ikaz eder. Now we came to the time of sunset, maghrib, the time of the maghrib prayer. And when we talk about these times, Yes, the time for Zuhr prayer to noon prayer is between when, as we said before, when, between when the sun reaches the highest point and starts to turn over, starts to descend, and a little after that highest point. That's when the Zuhr prayer time begins and until the time of Asr, as we described. So that's a lengthy period of time, depending on when in the year and where you are on earth, it may be two hours three hours four five hours six hours it may be a long time and you can, it is jazz it is permissible to pray zuhr in that time period but when ustad nursi talks about these things he is referring to rather the best time to pray the prayer so there is a best time to pray the prayer and that is when the time just comes in 
It is mentioned that Ustad Nursi in the 1950s when he was allowed to travel a little bit in the country in Turkey and for those who have not read about the life of Ustad Nursi, please do so. Read uh, Shukran Wahide's uh, biography or at least go to the introduction section of the reflections-rn.org website uh, where these recordings are also linked and listen in that introduction the life of the author of these works, Ustad Nursi, inshallah. Uh, he had a very difficult life. He was oppressed and persecuted by the state. But in, in the last few years of his life, in the 1950s, he was allowed to move around the country a little bit. And apparently he was uh, in a car with his students driving uh, to a city. I have heard two versions of this story. One says Sparta, the other says Afyon. But regardless, they were driving to a city. It was winter, it was you know snowing, it was very cold. And the time for prayer comes in. And Ustad Nursi says, stop the car i need to pray and they say yeah Ustad, oh Ustad, if you drive you know 15 minutes more we will be in the city we will we will arrive our destination and you can pray there comfortably you can take your make your ablution you can take wudu and you can pray in the warm house 15 minutes you know this is probably since it's uh, snowing and this is turkey the time of the prayer would have been shortened because the day is shorter than the night let's say he had two hours at least two hours to pray they say 15 minutes and then you can pray he says no i'm not going to do that i want you to stop the car i'm going to pray now because i want to join the great congregation of muslims in my prayer what does that mean? Inshallah, we will understand as we read. Basically, if you think of Muslims all around the world praying, they will start at the Kaaba in Mecca, right? Right. The prayer will start in Mecca as the earth rotates, uh, revolves around itself and the position of the sunlight changes. Let's think of the Zuhr prayer. The sun is at its highest point in Mecca and then starts to descend. That's the time for Zuhr in Mecca. Right? And then Muslims are going to uh, call the Adhan and make a congregation and pray there. And then we will move, let's say, uh, to Egypt, to, to Cairo, also, although there are other places in between. But let's move to Egypt, Cairo, and then people will pray in Cairo. And let's move a bit more to Istanbul, people will pray in Istanbul. Let's move a bit more to Bosnia, people will pray there. And then to France. And then let's say Morocco and then America and then keep moving to Western America, then uh, move to Hawaii, then Japan and then you know get into Asia, in China, people Muslims will pray in Indonesia, China, Muslims will pray, move to Central Asia and Iran. So the sun light moves around the earth in this way and there is the beginning of the time of prayer for each each place. That follows one another this is like a sequence that follows one another he calls the congregations that form in each of those places at the beginning of the time put all together the great congregation of muslims and he wants to join that and based on what we have heard from gnostics those who have 
being given access to reality as reality is, to, to hidden dimensions of reality, we know that that's the time when angels pray, when, when angels are joining these congregations. So that's the time when the prayers are closest to being accepted. It is narrated that a saint of God who lived in Turkey, Istanbul, Sultan Baba, one day would go out and look at the horizons and, and say, he, he, he said that he saw these things rising to the sky at the beginning of the time of prayer and they were like skyrockets, flying fast, moving to the sky. That's the beginning of the uh, prayer time. What he witnessed, what he was observing in, in that moment was the prayers of the believers who were praying in congregation with the rest of the Muslims at the beginning of the time they were flying high and then as time went as one comes closer to the time of the other prayer the, the next prayer they would slow down and some of them would you know go up 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 and then cannot make it and fall back down that's a very nice representation of uh, you know what happens so when Ustad Nursi talks about these times, he is not referring to necessarily referring to the entire time span, but the beginnings of those times. Those are the moments of transformation. So here Ustad Nursi is talking about the evening prayer, the sunset prayer, Maghrib sunset prayer. The time of the sunset prayer, then he is saying, resembles the end of the season of fall in which many creatures are setting like the sun sets right the, the word he's using is group which comes from uh, the, the same root as maghrib which comes from the you know sunset many creatures what happens to sun when it sets for us for the person who is observing it it dies it disappears so this time represents or is similar to the ends of the uh, season of fall when many creatures are dying are disappearing from sight and also the death of humans and also the desolation of the earth at the beginning of the doomsday it reminds us of these moments in creation and it reminds and warns us about what about the manifestations of majesty it helps us understand comprehend the manifestations of majesty and it warns humanity to wake up from its sleep of heedlessness Ghafla. this is different from what we saw before right we were talking about divine acts increasing uh, blessings mercy now we came to what we came to god's majesty now we came to manifestations of majesty. The manifestations of majesty like what? Like the ends of the season of fall when many things in the creation are disappearing from sight. It reminds us of what? The period in human life when this person comes close to his death and dies. It reminds us of what? It reminds us of the desolation of the earth at the beginning of the doomsday and it helps us comprehend the manifestations of majesty maghrib sun is setting when the sun sets it's not only the sun that disappears from sight everything disappears from sight and again we need to we talked about this before that's why i'm saying again we need to try to connect with the creation more 
when we live in our houses when the you know sun starts to set the, the the sunlight starts to dim and it is a bit dark we turn on the light we have light we don't recognize what's going on in the rest of the creation this is very um very misleading it's a simple thing and it is okay to have light in our houses it is it is a blessing alhamdulillah uh, but we also need to try to connect with what is out there we need to try to understand that when we pray Maghrib, when we pray the evening prayer, that's the time when the sun sets and everything disappears from sight out there in the creation. And that's majestic. That shows us the overpowering capacity of God. There was sun and we were taking things for granted. There was sun and we were taking it for granted that we see the pine tree. But the sun sets and we don't see the pine tree anymore and that shows us how small we are how incapable of anything that we are how we can be left in the dark if it were not for god's mercy and 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 through this experience we understand his majesty and therefore these moments remind us of what of the sleep that we are in the sleep of heedlessness that we are in, that we are taking, that we are seeing the pine tree for granted, is sleep of heedlessness. That I'm talking now and I'm able to talk and I am not aware of the blessing that is in the fact that I am able to talk, is a sleep of heedlessness. That this microphone in front of me is recording this sound and i'm able to put it on the internet and you're able to listen to it that these meanings were inspired to the heart of ustad nursi and that the prophet وسلم, was sent to humanity as a mercy with the quran and that the quran was the was the source fountainhead for these inspirations for ustad nursi that we are taking all of these for granted if we are believers, if we are given guidance and light in our hearts, if we are taking this for granted, if we are not believers yet, and there might be people out there who are listening to this, if we are not believers, but we are given the opportunity to search for reality, for truth, that is a blessing. Blessing. If we are taking any of these for granted or anything else in our lives for granted, we are in a state of heedless sleep and when the sun sets when all those things that we we take for granted disappear when we die when humans around us die people that we took for granted would wake up in the morning and have their breakfast and walk the earth and talk and interact and do whatever they do as humans if we take this for granted when one of those persons fall down and is no more under the ground under the earth that's a warning and the sunset the time of the maghrib sunset prayer points to this this is an opportunity to think about all of these happenings in the year and of the time of fall in the life of a human being in the life of humanity and the creation we will all come to get that come to an end together the beginnings of the doomsday the desolation of the earth and there are many verses that talk about this in the quran 
when the sun is shrouded in darkness, when the stars are dimmed, when the mountains are set in motion, when pregnant camels are abundant, when wild beasts are herded together, when the seas boil over, when the sky is torn apart, when the stars are scattered, when the seas burst forth, when graves turn inside out, when the earth is shaken violently in its last quaking, when the earth throws out its burdens, when man cries, what is happening to it? We know from the Quran that when the doomsday comes, these will all happen. And Ustad Nursi tells us that the time of sunset reminds us of that period of majesty. The, the sun sets. All these things that we take for granted will set. If the sun is setting, remember the clock. Remember that these handles are connected to one another. And if one moves, we know that the others will also move. If the sun is setting, it is certain that the fall in this year will come. And all those creatures that we see around that are making our lives joyful, the butterflies, the flowers, the sky, the seas, the face of a friend, all those flowers and beautiful things that we see around and the, the you know, clear sky, that will all die, disappear from sight. If the sun sets, it is certain that there will come another day, another day, another day, another day, and eventually the last day in the life of each human being. If the sun sets, it is certain that this universe will be rolled up and destroyed too on doomsday. The sunset points to all of these, and these are tremendous. These are manifestations of majesty, tremendous manifestations of majesty, and that the sun sets reminds us, warns us about all of that. Okay, I will stop here, inshallah, and inshallah we will continue reading from the time of Aisha prayer in the fourth uh, subtle point in the ninth word in our next episode. We will try to finish the fourth uh, subtle point and then move on to the fifth, inshallah, in the next episode. Um, I say this from time to time. If you are benefiting from these recordings, and I hope you do, please share them. The treatises of the Risale Inur are gems. They are precious because they are inspired from the Quran. They are direct inspirations of the Quran and they are they contain meanings, they contain warnings, they contain lessons that uh, the humanity needs. Each and every human being around us needs. So if you are benefiting from it, please uh, do share and let the let the light spread, inshallah. Risale Inur is epistles of light. There is light in them that reflects uh, from the Quran. If the Quran is the sun, the Risale Inur is a moon. As all of the Evliya, all of the saints, friends of God are moons reflecting the light of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim. Wa akhirun dawahum anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Al-Fatiha.